0: Hello. Welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. I will be reading from the book Imagine Heaven by John Burke, forward by Don Piper, Near-Death Experiences, God's Promises and the Exhilarating Future that Awaits You. Before I get started, I want to read a couple paragraphs. As the Lord forgave, bear with each other and forgive one another if you Any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. How does God forgive? Completely, again and again, openly, unconditionally, consistently, graciously, generously, lovingly, often. Before we even know to ask and always without asking anything of us. This is the model of forgiveness for us. Whenever someone does something we don't like or whenever someone either accidentally or purposefully tries to hurt us, we are challenged to forgive. And not to forgive in a way human beings often do with strings attached or lording it over someone. We should not forgive in a huff. We should not forgive dishonestly saying we forgive, but really going away and holding on to bitterness about the issue. We should not put conditions on our forgiveness. I'll forgive you as long as... dot dot dot. On the other hand, we are not God. We are not perfect. Forgiveness may not come easily to us. We may have to practice a lot, and that's okay. We may also have times when, because of the nature of the offense, perhaps... We could even be in danger or may have to allow time and space before we, were, before we are able truly to forgive. And we may have to wake up every day and decide to try to forgive again. The important thing is to keep aiming for the goal to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Okay, all together, let's say this, Lord i want to forgive like you do help me please amen again lord i want to forgive like you do help me please amen okay we are going to start with judgment lindy a woman who attends our church told me i was always afraid of judgment I know there's no condemnation for those in Christ, but because of all of my past sin, I knew I'd be held to account. So honestly, I wasn't really excited about heaven. And when I was there, it wasn't like I was so excited for my life review. Lindy heard a voice. She assumed it was from Jesus, giving another person a life review saying, let's look at all the things you've done to serve me, to love other people well, Let's look at the relationships in your life and how you've loved them well and therefore served me through them. Lindy recalls what was interesting is it was all about relationships. There was nothing about accomplishments, nothing about success, all about how you've loved other people. Then came the part she had feared, but the voice said, let's look at the missed opportunities to love me better. Let's look at how you could have loved other people better and the missed relationships and how you could have loved them better and therefore served me better. Then the voice said, welcome home. Thank you for loving me so well throughout your life. She realized there's truly no condemnation and it motivated her not to miss opportunities. She's since started working to free women from sex trafficking. What those who experience life review also realize is that God's love and compassion for us is not based on our good or bad deeds. It's unconditional. They are to receive as a free gift. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. As we will see in the next chapter, there are two judgments. One determines whether we've accepted or rejected God's free gift of love, forgiveness, adoption, and salvation. The other judgment is to reward us, Ephesians 2 continues, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us, anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God wants us to have confidence that we will never be cast out from his, his presence. We are safe and secure in Christ, but that doesn't mean our good or bad deeds don't matter. They affect our experience Eternity. The life review is not either of these judgments. It's simply a clarifying reminder that God knows everything about us and we will all one day give an account. When near death researchers proclaim there's no judgment because of the life review, they don't understand what the scriptures reveal, but also when Christians say near-death experiencers can't be of God because near-death experiencers don't face judgment and, quote, people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. They don't understand the scriptures either. There's no judgment at all until the story of earth is complete and human history as we know it ends, Revelation 11. It's no surprise people don't feel judged by this being of light, if he is Jesus. Jesus told us, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged. John 3. Every human feels judged already. It's why we judge others, compare ourselves and justify ourselves to ourselves but it's all counterproductive. God wants to set us free from proving ourselves, judging ourselves, or comparing ourselves to each other so we can be free to accomplish the wonderful things he created us to do at the end of time. There are two judgments, and as we'll discover in the next chapter, the Bema Seat judgment that's coming Will not be like a sentencing. It will be like the greatest cosmic awards ceremony ever imagined. Rewards and judgments. Gary's sister was driving while the siblings sang "Silent Night" on the way home during Christmas break. Suddenly, Gary heard a scream and an explosion. Searing pain shot across his face. Just as fast, the pain was gone. His life flashed before his eyes, then he found himself transported through a brilliant tunnel-like pathway that led to a world beyond imagination. I then began walking on a green lush carpet of grass that covered the hillside. Looking down, I noticed that the grass came all the way through my feet and that there were no indentations where I had just walked. From the hill, I viewed the outer portion of a magnificent city. After marveling at the beauty of the paradise, Gary made his way up to the city gate. An angel came through the gate, and he was checking the pages of a book that he was carrying, He then nodded to the giant angel confirming that I may enter into the city. Suddenly there in front of me stood my best friend John who had been decapitated but was now whole. His eyes sparkled with life as we embraced. John told me he had many wonderful things to show me. John took me into a very large building that looked like a library. The walls were solid gold and sparkled with dazzling display of light that loomed up high to a crystal dome ceiling. I saw hundreds and hundreds of volumes of books. Many angels were there reading the contents of the books. John explained to me that these books contain a record of every person's life that had ever been born throughout all history. Everything we do here on earth is recorded In these books, good or bad, everything. The Great White Throne. When near-death researchers proclaim that the life review shows there's no judgment, they are naively ignorant of what the scriptures teach. The Old Testament prophets and Jesus talk about two separate judgments. The Great White Throne judgment is a judgment of faith and determines who belongs to God. The Bema, I have never heard of the Bema Seat. I hope I'm even pronouncing it correctly. It's B-E-M-A, I don't know. The Bema Seat judgment is actually a reward ceremony for all who belong to God. As scripture makes clear, neither judgment takes place until the end of human history as we know it. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Revelation 11. One of the most fascinating observations near death experiencers correlates with scriptures, teaching of books in heaven recording all of our deeds. Marv Besteman recalls seeing these during his near-death experience. Piled on top of the shelf or table made of stone were books upon books upon books, stacked up three to four books high all along the surface, both left and right. Moses alluded to the book of life which indicates who belongs to God. An angel told the prophet Daniel during his vision of heaven, "Everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Near-death experiencers confirm what scripture says. There are books in the heaven recording all of our deeds, and the book of life which records the names of those who gave their lives to God. Both come into play after the end of time at the great white throne. Then I saw a great white throne and him, who was seated on it? And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. People dismiss the idea of judgment. It's not a popular idea today, but it's been a common idea in most all cultures for all time. What's uncanny is how many near-death experiencers refer to the books of heaven. Jeffrey Long's website contains the story of a 13-year-old girl who died in a pool accident and found herself at the city gates where she sees books and an old friend. I was waiting and lying at first behind all these people, and then it was my turn. And as I was standing in front of this big guy, who I think was an angel, he was holding this big book. The angel guy asked me for my name, and I told him. When he looked for it, he said, I'm sorry, but it's not your time. So I said to him, why is it not my time? I'm ready to die. My life sucks. My best friend died five years ago. Why is it not my time? And then he turned around as if someone was talking to him and turned back around to me again and said, someone wants to talk to you. Then he pointed to the gate with the city behind it. It was Jake. You see, Jake, my best friend, died in a car accident five years ago. We were both seven years old. And when I saw him there, I ran to the gate as fast as I could. We both reached out, and we grabbed each other's hands, and we cried. He looked my age, but I knew it was him. And I feel stupid in saying this, but he got cute since last time I saw him. Ha ha. Then we talked for a while about things that happened, about each other. And then the angel said, It's time for you to go back. Another teenager who drowned explains on the same website that he also saw the books. My angels did not like my response of, I don't want to go back down there. It is painful. You must. Your mission is yet not complete. We communicated telepathically, no lips or mouth movements, all thoughts. Moment by moment, you discover how quickly you are gaining knowledge and how easy it is to accept. My three angels sought permission from above to show me something. What looked like a huge four-foot-thick book of life, my life. Just as my life had passed before my eyes when I was being drowned, I was now being showed my future life the psalmist says your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in the book before one of them came to be written in the book at first it seems strange to me why god would need to have books in heaven but maybe they are for us as a record and a reminder just like we have historical movies and books Heaven seems to have both a panoramic visual replay and books of record. Across the globe, near-death experiencers confirm books in heaven. As Osis and Haroldson reported, Hindu Indians never experienced reincarnation and disillusion and Brahma, the formless aspect of God, which is the goal of Indian spiritual striving but the concept of karma. Accumulation of merits and demerits may have been vaguely suggested by reports of a white-robed man with a book of accounts. They miss the connection to the Bible completely, but report that multiple Indians mentioned this man in white, some called God, and books of account. An Indian doctor said, The Indian patient seemed to die. After some time, he regained consciousness. Then he then told us, That he was taken away by messengers in white clothing and brought up to a beautiful place. There he saw a man in white with an account book. Another Indian saw a beautiful scene, lovely flowers. And there he saw a man dressed in white sitting with an open book. At the great white throne, every person will see clearly their need for Jesus' payment for their debt. Like Jesus said... God will accept, forgive, and take back any person who wants God's leadership. God does not send anyone out of his present presence. He gives them what they want. If they did not want God's forgiveness and leadership, they will be judged by their own words. As Jesus said, But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. I'm going to stop for a second. I was watching TV the other night, and I may have said this in a past podcast, but there was an atheist on TV asking for money to start some type of an organization against Christians, taking God's name out of everything, they were just tired of hearing God's name, uh, prayers, everything. And when he, at the end of this commercial, it blew my mind. He said, my name is such and such. Please join me. And no, I'm not afraid of burning in hell either. I was shocked. It's so sad. There's a beginning to everything, a beginning, into an end to everything. Some people don't believe in God, but there is going to be a judgment day. Like I said, there's a beginning and an end to everything. And it's really sad how Satan has blinded people, how he has lied to people and what they believe, and what they're going to have to suffer then for eternity. Burning in hell for eternity. But when he said that, I thought, oh, buddy, you don't have a clue what you are saying. No, I am not afraid of burning in hell either. And he was just that, a matter of fact. But I was like, "Who weak. Okay, back to remember, though, what near-death experience is not the judgment because near-death experiencers didn't die. Not fully. Long says 31% of near-death experiencers report some border or boundary. I reached the point where I felt I had to make the choice whether to go back to life or onward to death. My best friend was there who had died of cancer two years before. And she told me this was as far as I could go or I would not be able to turn back. Heaven and hell will change. After the great white throne, heaven and hell will change. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire death in hades or hell the holding place of the dead and all who did evil and rejected god will undergo the second death some think this is a type of annihilation others argue that eternal creatures cannot be annihilated whatever the case evil sin pain and suffering will never plague humanity again. God cannot allow those unwilling to submit to his rule into his eternal kingdom, or they would corrupt it like we did the earth and the humanity. Nothing impure will ever enter the city of God, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're not sure what your verdict would be at the great white throne, you can be sure right now. As Jesus said, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. John five twenty four. Okay, so here's this Bema Seat that we're going to discuss now. The Bema Seat. At some point after Earth's history concludes, another judgment happens called the Bema Seat. It's a judgment for God's children. Yes, there is a judgment of believers. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due To us for the things done while in our body, whether good or bad. The word translated judgment is the Greek word bima, which refers to the judge's seat at the ancient games, like the Olympic judges' stand. This was the place where the judges would award the gold or silver medals, crowns in their day for a race well run. It's a judgment of rewards. God loves to reward every faithful act, deed, even motive. And that's what will happen at the beam of seat judgment. We don't earn God's love or acceptance into heaven. That's a gift. We receive it or we reject it. But all our deeds determine our experience in heaven, what we take with us from life. Paul uses an analogy of building a house. Each person will be rewarded for their own hard work. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Paul pictures some people who came to faith and lived their lives investing in things of eternal value. And what they built with their life will stand and bring great rewards eternally. Others received God's gift but live mostly for themselves. Imagine a person running out of a burning house. They're safe, but all they've worked for just went up in smoke. What do you do with your life really matters. Every moment of this life matters more than you've ever imagined. The Bema Seat is where Jesus rewards us. It's like a huge Oscar celebration for all of God's children across human history. You thought the red carpet was a big deal. You ain't seen nothing yet. God promises to recognize and reward every single person personally. It's going to be the most rewarding thing you've ever imagined. Isaiah looked forward to it saying, See your Savior come. See his reward is with him. Jesus said, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So let's imagine that day and live for the things that God rewards. I want to thank everybody for stopping by. I pray blessings upon all of you. And until next time, God bless.